And I remember like being the only person on my team talking, I had this whole strategy. We like got so much lower salary than the employee wanted. The other team was so confused what had happened. Being like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Hi, Jasmine. Hey, how are you? I did my homework, did a little research, and I so I saw that you are interested in fashion law and are maybe going to Harvard Law School, right, for that? Yes, yes. That's insane. Congrats. Thank you. When I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Like fashion law, obviously that's a thing that's very much needed. We need people to settle such disputes or like M&As and things like that. But how did you get into this particular field of fashion law? Yeah, I feel like that's a question I get a lot. And it's kind (laughs) of, I feel like my answer is a lot less like, flashy or helpful I mean honestly I've been interested in being a lawyer for a while I think a lot of like kids think maybe I'll be a lawyer one day um and once I kind of got to high school I was starting to feel like I think I wanted to go to law school but Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily sure what route like what I wanted to do in law school um I had about where I thought I wanted to go into politics so I kind of thought okay be a politician, law school, whatever. So law school was always in my mind. But um, I mean, since I've been a kid, I've been kind of obsessed with the fashion industry, wearing really stupid like outfits in like third grade. And then this bout where I thought I was going to be a designer, but I figured out I can't sew (laughs) life. Um, And so once I knew, okay, I can't be a fashion designer, but I still love fashion. So what does that look like? I was always thinking maybe some sort of career in fashion, but again, wasn't sure what. Honestly, it wasn't until after I got into Brown and then the summer before my first year that it started to like come together. And I thought, what if I took fashion and took being a lawyer and put it together? Because fashion companies have to have lawyers, right? Like everybody has lawyers. So that was kind of bubbling. And then I thought more and more about it. And I thought I was going to do my IC in something related to fashion and business and law which I did, but not officially. It wasn't really until I took um, two classes my freshman year. One was like a fashion history class that was about France in particular that was offered by the history department. And then one was the cultural significance of copyright, which was offered by the Kogan Institute. Taking the copyright course in particular really helped me dive into intellectual property and this Mm. idea of like protecting the copyright of artists and how fashion designers don't actually get lots of copyright protection and like oh my gosh there's so much in the industry that's not actually protected or if they get legal protections the government doesn't do a good job of enforcing Uh, all of that started to come to my attention during my first year and that's when I knew like okay full force I want to be a fashion lawyer there's just so much here Um, and with all of the developments in technology I figured this space is only going to get more and more interesting Mm, so long answer but that was kind of my whole thought process to get me there and I really haven't changed my mind since that's amazing that's so cool that like you took those classes in freshman year and were like yeah this confirms you know what I want to do and you're just kind of going with it from then on so is that like the copyright stuff is that what you're wanting to maybe pursue or focus on or is there a certain other you mentioned like technology and MAs? is that kind of the area that you want to go into yeah I think it's it's two parts so part is the intellectual property stuff so like I mentioned fashion designers don't get a lot of copyright protections but there's lots of Mm -hmm. trademark law that's pretty relevant to fashion so yes like one half of that is wanting to look at intellectual property 
and practice that as a lawyer. And then the other half is M&A. So I'm interested in the luxury space in particular. And when you look at big luxury houses like LV or Caring, acquisitions are really fueling the industry, at least in Europe. And there's a lot of stuff happening in the United States too. Who knows what that landscape will look like, but that's why I think it'd be a really interesting place to be as a lawyer. I think there's going to be lots of deals in the future. That's so cool. I know. I feel like there's a lot more consolidation than one would think, like than the average consumer would think under giant luxury brands. Because I remember you also had experience in investment banking. Where do you see the rise in M&As happening? When you look at, um, for instance, the big deal that's pretty messy with LVMH and Tiffany right now, that to me was really interesting because Tiffany being an American company, I was wondering if they were going to connect with other American brands. So right now you have like Caring and LV, um, I think maybe you can include another house or two, are like the big conglomerates and they're all European based. And then in the United States, you have Tapestry and Capri Holdings, which are like the two baby conglomerates, Tapestry owning Kate Spade, Stuart Wiseman, and Coach, and then uh, Capri Holdings having um, Michael Kors and Jimmy Choo and Versace, I believe. There's just been these questions of will the American brands start to like clump up in a way to mirror the houses like the European ones where they Mm -hmm. have like a giant portfolio of brands. Yeah. Uh, so when Tiffany was thought to be acquired by LV, I was like, wow, there's an American brand already jumping ship to the European side. When you think of American brands like Ralph Lauren, for example, mm-hmm. they're still pretty independent. They haven't been bought by anyone. I don't think they were wanting to sell anytime soon, but like maybe in the next 10 years, there's a shift and, you know, Michael Kors and Ralph Lauren all become one company. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. And I think if the U.S. brands want to compete with the European brands in the same way, then there's possibly room for more like acquisitions or mergers happening. But then I also think like technology is really becoming such an important part of the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. And I think there's room for more like acquisitions from the perspective of acquiring more tech companies. So when you look at Lululemon, for example, they acquired Mirror, I believe, earlier this summer. And that was like a big tech acquisition because essentially now they're combining their like really fancy leggings and yoga pants with this workout experience that you get in your like thousand dollar mirror. And I feel like investors really viewed that acquisition positively. And I think there's potential for more, not just luxury, but other fashion companies in general to start like either doing more partnerships or purchasing more of these like interesting tech companies as someone who wants to be on the legal side of these deals yeah I think because I have like a passion and just pure interest in the industry I think then once I actually learn the legal part Mm -hmm. I'll be able to navigate both the business conversations like understand the language of the executives I'm speaking to and advising Mm -hmm. but then also then know the legalese and at the end of the day know what the case law says so I'm trying to straddle both worlds in a uh-huh. really fun way. That's so cool. Oh my God. I feel like everything that you talked about, like the technology being more influential in the fashion industry, and then you being just, as you said, really well-versed and like just purely interested in fashion itself, it's just all going to come together. It's going to be such a cool mix at Harvard. Do they have like a fashion specific course or classes or things like that? Or is it more general? 
so Harvard does have like a fashion law lab course that they do teach. Um, they bring in, I think like one of the lawyers from Stella McCartney, I believe helps That's teach so cool. the course. Um, so they do that regularly. Um, and then there's also some faculty at Harvard who have like written about fashion law issues and some of the journals like publish about fashion law. Um, but like the reason I chose Harvard wasn't necessarily just because they were the fashion law authority more so like in order to be an effective fashion lawyer, I just need to be an effective lawyer. Right. And I wanted to get the best training as a lawyer that I could get. Yeah, I feel like you can't really get much better than Harvard Law School. <laughs> like you're, you're doing it all. And I know that you mentioned diversity and inclusion in the fashion industry and congrats on being named like the Gucci Changemaker Scholar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so cool. Can you explain a little bit about like what that is? Yeah, so um, Gucci has over the past year released this new initiative where they you know, accepted applications and we're looking for scholars who were college students who had interest in the fashion industry, wanting to pursue careers in fashion and wanting to make fashion a more diverse and inclusive space. And so these scholars, you were given scholarship money, but you were also given access to mentors in the industry and um, internships, kind of virtual internships and just like resources and access to the Gucci network. Um, so I was named one of their scholars at the beginning of the summer. It was a really cool accomplishment just because, you know, we were all over like, you know, Teen Vogue and Hypebeast and different magazines were, you know, putting my face out there. That's um, amazing. And so my whole application was about wanting to be a lawyer and where I saw my work in luxury fashion intersection with my, intersecting with my interest in diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, because when you think about luxury fashion, inclusivity isn't necessarily what comes to mind right away right um, and so me wanting to wrestle with that and think about how can you still have a business model that's exclusive but not necessarily alienate groups of people gucci has come under fire as many people know for releasing products that are just straight up insensitive and i think they're trying to do better and part of that is understanding how can we still connect with different people different backgrounds even if you're not going to buy a three thousand dollar gucci handbag how can maybe gucci be doing things that are just good for the industry or good for the world putting on events or thinking about how do we make fashion more sustainable how do we bring more people into the experience without necessarily like pushing product down their throat um, i see so i see myself like as a lawyer wanting to be in an executive role at some point mm -hmm. i think that everybody at the executive level should have an eye to diversity and inclusion issues. Yeah. And so to me, knowing that I want a career that's going to be hopefully prominent in business decision-making, it's mm -hmm. important to me to like think also about how can we make sure that the luxury space is going to be more inclusive and have an eye to that. Sure. So that was kind of what my application was about. And so then I was named one of the scholars this summer. I got to be mentored by um, members of their legal team. So oh. one of my mentors, Brooke, she was amazing. We chatted a lot over the summer. She was kind of there during the ups and downs of my application season. <laughs> she got to listen to me every week 
wonder, <laughs> oh my gosh, I just submitted my application. Oh no, my LSAT score. Oh no. She was one of the first people who found out when I got in. Um, so ah. it was really, really awesome to kind of have that support throughout the whole roller coaster of this summer. That's so cool. Congrats again. That's such, like you said, it's such a good way to have like a mentorship, like at that time when you're applying and, you know, taking everything and you like have somebody to go to and be like, help, like this is happening. It was the so perfect funny. timing, honestly. The universe really came through for yeah. me. <laughs> Yeah, when did the whole, like, application timeline happen? It was pretty crazy just because of COVID. Everything was supposed to be due earlier in the spring, but everything got pushed back because the LSAT kept getting canceled. Right. Um, So then I needed to take my LSAT. So, yeah, I took everything this summer. I applied, like, the day after I got my score. And then interviews came about a month later, and then I got accepted right after. So it was a super crunch time. It all worked out. That seems like a roller coaster. Damn, you were busy this summer. Yeah, this summer was great. Things happened, but it was kind of a nightmare sometimes. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah, that like dichotomy. Were you doing anything during the summer in addition to applying to stuff? So I was with Microsoft over the summer. Oh. So I was interning with them. I was a technical account manager intern, being a liaison between Microsoft Technologies and the Microsoft customers. Um, so obviously with my interest in fashion, I was really interested in understanding how Microsoft products could be used to help fashion companies and what types of technologies mm. they could use in their stores or just to connect with their customers. So did you go into the internship being like, I want to go into this to explore the potential of Microsoft technologies that could possibly be applied to the fashion industry? Or was it more once you got there, you were like, oh, like this could be applicable in, you know, a luxury designer brand? I took the internship offer with like wanting to be in that fashion space. So -hmm. when I started the summer, I had told my manager, if you can help me shadow anyone that's on a like fashion customer give me more exposure to that and did you get that exposure that you wanted yeah I got some really good exposure I was able to listen to some people think through how they connected with their customers right. the role itself was not really what I was interested in gotcha. and I figured that out throughout the summer but I still got really good exposure and got to learn a little bit yeah for sure and I feel like you even figuring out that like that role wasn't exactly what you wanted to do is also valuable as well so yeah especially with COVID, I was really happy that I even had an internship at all. Yeah, for sure. So I know you mentioned a little bit of like where you see tech coming in more to the fashion industry in terms of certain fashion companies or not even fashion companies, just like clothing companies like Lululemon acquiring different technology companies. But do you think there is some room where luxury brands might use different technology to like put on shows or to like produce their clothes and things like that and it's sort of a different way than explicitly acquiring like tech companies yeah I mean if you've been following with COVID a lot of fashion week ended up going virtual right for the past couple of months so I mean runway shows have become something that's more virtual yeah and I think people are kind of split on if they think that's going to continue or not mm-hmm. um, but I think there's potential for it to continue and then even on the clothing front, a couple of years ago, I was wondering if 3D printing was going to be one of the big things in fashion. Mm. And I think there is some potential for that to help with the customization aspects. Knowing that there's more developments in tech glasses and like wearable tech. Mm. I mean, obviously you look at something like an Apple Watch. What 
do we see like fashion companies doing in response to that? Going back a little bit, so where are you from? So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio suburbs, but I was born in Boston, so I kind of claim Massachusetts as my real home. That's where I'd love to be one day. Okay, so you want to go back to Boston. Interesting. When you were younger in Boston or like in Ohio, what interested you about fashion and about law particularly for fashion like I'd said like it was just something that always excited me my mom used to like pick out my outfits I don't know if everyone's parents did this but when you're like really young your parents just like pick out what you're gonna wear yeah for sure like I remember finally when I was allowed to start picking out my own clothes um, (laughs) I was like wait instead of you laying out stuff for me like I'm gonna start making outfits (laughs) like okay Um, and that was like just giving me free reign and I I mean, I made some really awful outfits. I look at them <laughs> and I'm like, my goodness, why did you let me walk out the house? It was so like important for me to be able to use my clothes to express myself. I would spend like months leading up to it trying to figure out what I wanted my wardrobe to be for the next year and what I wanted to say about myself every year. And I have quotes as me at the third grader saying I was going to be a fashion designer. So it was always wow. like what I knew I wanted. The law interest, like, I don't know. A lot of kids get told when you're young, like, oh my gosh, you're so good at arguing, you should be a lawyer. (laughs) And that's kind of dumb. But obviously, you get that, and you start to wonder, like, should I be a lawyer? From what I was, like, hearing, you know, I liked being strategic, and I did like, not arguing, but I did like crafting arguments. Hmm. Uh, And that was really interesting to me, so I thought, sure, why not? My parents convinced me to do this law camp before my freshman year of high school. And I kind of at that point was really iffy about the whole law school thing. It was called Just the Beginnings Foundation and it actually helped me figure out that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, You basically did different rotations. Every day was different types of law. So, you know, you did the courtroom stuff and I was like, no, I hate this. And that was good because I figured it out. Then we did a day that was business law and they had us do a simulation between like a sports company and an athlete and we were negotiating a a contract and you put you were put in teams with lawyers and you got to like practice negotiation and Mm -hmm. I remember like being the only person on my team talking I had this whole strategy we like got so much lower salary than the employee wanted the other team was so confused what had happened like oh my gosh this is what I want to do for the rest of my life like I'm on fire this is my (laughs) calling It was so fun. And I remember just being like, wait, this is a job? This combines everything. So that was honestly when it like started to come together. That's amazing that you had that sort of light bulb moment like, oh my God, this is an actual job. Because I feel like a lot of people even now and even when they are older, like never really figure that out or like never have that moment, you know? So I feel like that's really special. I'm glad it worked out that way. I, mean, yeah. I won't say they forced me to go, but I didn't necessarily want to go. And I'm really glad that I did. That they did. Yeah. How come you weren't, sh- like you didn't necessarily want to go? The summer before my freshman year was kind of dicey. My family moved to Minnesota for a year. We had been in Minnesota for a couple months. I didn't have a ton of like friends. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a weird period being really stressed out about being ready to go to high school. Yeah, But I had a couple friends, and I wanted to spend time with them. Mm. And so my parents were like, what if instead of doing that, you spent like a week every single day, 10 hours a day at law camp? (laughs) I was kind of just like, 
why? Yeah, what? No. <laughs> I wasn't thinking career at that point. I really right. just wanted to hang out with my couple of friends. Right, <laughs> which makes sense at the age. But yeah. I mean, it, it all turned out well. Thank you to yeah, your parents. They had the forethought. They knew that it could have been really impactful, which it was. Yeah. So I'm very glad I went. Yeah, because I feel like whenever I think of lawyer, I think of like the courtroom type you know, version with the gavel and everything, mm-hmm. like hitting it. And so business law is very interesting. So looking forward, would you want to be working at a company and doing business law through a company or more of, I don't know how they, this works if there's like fashion law firms that work with different companies? I would like to be in-house. Like that's definitely in-house. where I want to be. Okay. I like working for a company or a brand. Obviously you could do the firm route, And I think there are some firms that do like specialize in fashion law. I'm still very much open to working at a firm right after I graduate because, you know, the training you're going to get at a big law firm is really good and probably would help me. Yeah. Down the line, I want to be in-house for sure. Got you. Why? Is it just because you have more kind of say in the business direction? So when I did investment banking, that was my summer to kind of sense check if my interest in M&A was on the deal or maybe the legal stuff. Because if you're going to be a lawyer in M&A, it's less sexy, to be honest, than like <laughs> becoming an MD and like doing all that. Right. But honestly, when I was at the firm, I was kind of like, I just want to work on one deal and like really build that out. I don't really want to work on a bunch of random different deals with a bunch of random different clients like mm. it's good to get the reps and to learn that and I think that that's probably why our firm experience would be helpful but I was really interested in seeing through the entire process of like okay once the acquisition's done what impact is this going to have on the brand and I kept asking my team like well what are the legal questions or like oh like what about this and this these synergies like that became a lot more interesting to me than just like doing the model mm. and then yeah. doing the model and then never talking to the client again I could just see myself having a lot more fun continuing on the trajectory. That makes sense. So really focusing on one deal and seeing like the impact of that after the deal and how the company reacts to that. LV is always acquiring. So taking the acquisition and seeing where that goes. Then after that goes well, saying, okay, where do we we go next? Make another acquisition? Should we invest money somewhere else? I want to just like keep working on one strategic plan. What goes into an actual fashion M&A deal? that's different than maybe a general M&A? I mean, at this point, I can't even give you a real answer to that because I've never (laughs) worked on one. Right. Um, But I'm imagining that the differences are probably not huge. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the numbers have to make sense. Right. Or like the legal side. Like the legal side. You're talking about like strategy and things like that. I mean, again, I think M&A is M&A. And like, it's always going to be numbers driven or it's always going to be like, actually yeah even the strategy it's going to be numbers driven Mm -hmm. is this a profitable like idea is this venture going to make sense is this going to make sense for shareholders Mm -hmm. yes there's some really cool stuff you can get into with like oh intellectual property like are we going to transfer the trademarks oh maybe we can use trademark in like determining our valuation but like Mm -hmm. honestly that's probably no different than if two pharmaceutical companies decide to merge because they also have lots of like intellectual property for me if I know that there's an industry that I'm deeply passionate about why not do work in that industry I mean makes sense it's logical yeah yeah I can't argue with that so is there any like particular brand or company that 
you kind of have your eye on and you were following their acquisitions and are interested in being like, ooh, that'd be really cool if I worked there. Yeah, I mean, LV or Caring are 100% on my list. Obviously, having had the opportunity to like be a scholar with Gucci, if Caring wants to hire me, that'd be amazing. But I also know these teams are pretty lean. And so I'm also like interested in LV too. Either way, like I'd love to work at a luxury company that is interested in innovation and would want to consider like different deals. That's where I'd like to be. But again, I know those teams are really, really tiny. I feel like you could do it. You're already doing so much. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt you. I can get a job (laughs) somewhere. I just know like saying you want to be, you know, the general counsel for Dior in America that's like one person and she's basically their legal team. Like it's just her. And I think a lot of companies are like that. Like you'll have a very small legal team and then you'll like call upon outside counsel when you need help on like specific questions. So is the dream to be the head of that council basically? Yeah. I'd love to be a general counsel one day. I think it would give me the position to like, obviously my primary responsibility is to be a legal advisor, but I'm having a conversation with the CEO. I'm in the business conversations, even if I'm not responsible for driving them. I get to use both sides of my brain and I like understand how the business works. And so then I use that to inform how I speak to the other business leaders. Mm -hmm. So you could definitely still have a pretty big say in like business decisions and you're kind of aware of everything that's going on. I'd hope so. Like I'd hope they're showing their lawyer big <laughs> things or I'm included in big initiatives even if my say is mostly from a legal angle I'm obviously supposed to be looking at risk and so yeah. looking at risk is going to be a comprehensive job I hope that that would give me enough of exposure that I get to still have my hands in a couple business things yeah but I'm also open to like at some point not practicing as a lawyer but maybe going in-house on the business side in more of a like corporate strategy role but Interesting. bringing my legal background, people have said, maybe you're more of a business person than a legal person. And maybe you want to get your hands dirtier than you think. Yeah, I know law school is what I want now. And I know I want that legal training either way. Yeah. And like you said, if you do go into like the corporate, more strategy business side, like with a background in law, that would be a huge plus that like not a lot of people would have. When you're saying that, like a lot of people were saying that maybe you're more business focused. Were these like mentors? Yeah, I have a lot of really awesome mentors. And so it's definitely a conversation that I have with my mentors on a semi-regular basis. And even when I was applying was like, Jasmine, are you sure you want a JD? Are you sure you don't want an MBA? Um, especially mm-hmm. when I threw around the idea of possibly doing a combined degree. Everyone was oh. like, are you sure you don't want to just get an MBA? Are all the mentors coming from the Gucci program or like other places? I try to have different mentors in different areas just because I think it's important to get different perspectives. So I have some mentors that are like, yes, practicing lawyers at fashion companies. But I've also have mentors that are just in the fashion industry, but aren't practicing as a lawyer and then I have mentors that are business lawyers but aren't at all tied to fashion and so just trying to get like everyone's ideas obviously sometimes you get contradicting advice right but just trying to get a comprehensive view because yes passion law is what I want to do and that's where I see myself going but I also don't want to pigeonhole myself so much that I have tunnel vision and end up missing out on like another really cool experience So I definitely try to just hear different perspectives. They say have your own personal board of directors. Huh. Oh, I like that. 
where did you meet all of these mentors? Yeah, I mean, some of them have been through like formal mentorship programs. So like a Gucci thing. Some have been mentorship that I received from the Fashion Scholarship Fund, which is like a national organization that is trying to help get more um, students in the fashion industry. And then other mentors are people that I've met through mentors. So like ah. I have one mentor that was at a fashion firm who then said, hey, I have a peer that actually graduated from Harvard Law. He doesn't work as a fashion lawyer, but he could be a good mentor and he knows how to navigate Harvard. So just like meeting people through people has also been really helpful. That's huge. I feel like what you said before really stuck with me of like have your own board of directors. That's such a good way to think about it. And like even through life, like any decisions, like you said, getting all the perspectives that you can in order to make a good informed decision. A hundred percent. It's what I try to do. And I know sometimes it drives I don't think it drives them too much crazy, but (laughs) one of my mentors jokes because every month he hears from me and he's worried that like my plans have drastically changed because every month I'm always like, okay, here's the next thing I'm thinking about or here's the next (laughs) thing I want to apply to. Uh, I know I'm going to law school, but now I'm also applying to this. I always have a curveball for him, but I think having a relationship with your mentors so they just understand your personality and knowing how you think about things then makes those decisions productive. And like, I really do trust everyone's opinions. And so before I really make any big decision, I'm always like, what are your thoughts on this? Just give it to me straight and tell me this is a terrible idea. And I've had mentors be like, do not do this. And then it's still up to me, but like, I really appreciate people being super honest with me. Wow. That's a huge takeaway. Not only me, but just for anybody else who's like listening is to have you know, like a good network of people who you can reference and just ask a question about like anything. I highly recommend it. Mentorship's really, really important. And even like in this personal board of directors, it doesn't just have to be like people working in the industry. I mean, looking to your peers, like I have, I guess they wouldn't be a formal mentorship like relationship, but like I have peers who are other seniors that like I reach out to when I'm thinking about job offers. Mm. Um, or even just like an upperclassman who's only a year older, but has right. a little bit of insight. Your board of directors can have a range of experiences, but if you've got connections with people, you know, years below you, your same year, and then years above you, I think that's something you would want to carry with you into a future career as well. Damn. That's so wise. You're so wise. (laughs) How did you like, like, did you always know this importance of mentorship or you had one mentor and it was super helpful and then you're like, hmm, maybe I should, you know, gather some more people. I mean, I've always known mentorship is important. Because I feel like a lot of people, like I know mentorship is important, right? But like a lot of people know it, but like don't really fully fledge it out as well as you have. So there's kind of that difference. I think it's hard because it has to be like a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Mm. So like, yes, I know mentorship's really important. That's the first step. Then finding a mentor can be hard because you might find someone who you think is like super awesome and like they just don't have time to mentor you. Right. Like you and them just don't hit it off. Like Mm. that happens too. I've had people that have wanted to mentor me and then I've just realized like, our personalities aren't vibing in a mentorship relationship. And so then it's hard because it's not like dating, but it is a little bit. You kind of have to like find someone that you have a good repertoire with. You have to be willing to think outside the box sometimes. And that takes a lot of time. And then getting a regular like relationship with the mentors. And this is something even I struggle with. Yeah. Committing myself to meeting with them on a monthly or bi-monthly or yearly basis. Like 
that's hard in itself when you're really busy. Right. And it's really on you as the mentee to like drive the relationship. Sometimes you use followup.me, I think, that after a mentorship meeting, I'll send myself an email that's like, remind me in a month to reach out to them again to schedule our bi-monthly meeting. Like wow. things like that. Or else it's really easy to fall off. Yeah, no, that's so true. Like you said, I feel like the mentee has to be the one who like drives that. But how do you juggle that being like, okay, like we're going to meet bi-monthly without seeming too like upfront, you know? And also you mentioned that the relationship sort of has to be mutually beneficial in order for them to want to keep going. How do you bring as the mentee something to the table as well? On your first question, I think you can be upfront. Like one of my mentors, I'm straight up like, can I reach back out to you in a month? Or when we're finishing the conversation, I'll be like, tentatively, can we plan to touch base at like two months from now? Can I reach back out to you in a couple of weeks to schedule time on your calendar for mid-December? Like you can be upfront because they're super busy too. And right. I feel like it's easier if you're just like t- straight with someone. Yeah. Like, can we find time to meet sometime? I'd really yeah. love to like connect. And then you just keep it open-ended. And they're like, sure, let's connect. Yeah. And they're not going to tell you like nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah. So just being like, can you connect with me in two weeks? Do you have dates during the week of October 3rd? Mm-hmm. People will be like, yes, I do. And then you can get something locked down. Amazing. And in terms of bringing something to the relationship, I mean, honestly, I don't have the answer for that either. Because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, why do people still like talk to me? A lot when they talk to me. I hope they still want to give me advice. <laughs> So I guess like having confidence that if someone is willing to invest time in you for some reason or another, they see something in you mm-hmm. and like they want to see you succeed. And so you just need to keep being you and keep coming to the conversations with questions or updates or like something that you're trying to get out of it. And if you keep bringing something from that perspective, these people are invested in you and want to help. You do have to come into a mentorship relationship with some sort of goals because it's not their responsibility to like coach you on how they can help you. Yeah. If you say, I know you've worked in X capacity, I want to go into X adjacent. When we meet next week, can I ask you questions about X, Y, Z? And then people will be more than happy to help you. Yeah. You just have to be intentional about it. Like you have to know what you want, basically. (laughs) Which is hard because a lot of times- College students don't know what we want because we're right. like 20 and how are we supposed to know? And even people who've reached out to me who have wanted to meet, like it's been most helpful when someone just like says straight up, like I am at this point in my life, you've done this. Can you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah, I can talk all day about this. <laughs> but when you just send me an email that's like, hey, can we chat? I'm like, sure. Yeah. We're like about <laughs> what specifically? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sure. But then I can be more intentional and like, trying to see how I can help you Hmm. you do have to kind of know what you want which is really hard or go into the relationship saying I don't know what I want to do with my life but I know you've worked in tech and tech is interesting to me can you help expose me to different opportunities in tech wow I feel like I've learned so much I'm like about to go like get some mentors, you know? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for chatting with me. I feel like that one word to describe you out of all the words would be really intentional because I feel like with all the experiences that you've had, whether it be internships or like mentor programs, you really kind of go into it knowing what you want and knowing what you're seeking out of it. And, you know, whether that's like a good or a bad thing, like it's still like very valuable information that will 
you know, help you make the next decision or like where you want to go next. So I feel like that's definitely super admirable. So I appreciate you sharing your experiences and also your tips on mentorship because that's really huge as well. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, hopefully something I said was helpful. I can just share what I think I know, but I'm in I'm cognizant of the fact that I'm basically a 21-year-old who right. like you all hot air. <laughs> no, definitely so many wise things in there. Lots of good tidbits. 